0: It's time for your local weekly analysis. Slow County Public Policy and the Law with your host, Stu Jenkins. The union forever. Hurrah, boys, hurrah. Down with the traitor! Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only at KNews 98.5. I'm Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I've tried cases here since 1978. Among my many cases have been public interest pro bono cases concerning unconstitutional election law statutes, City of San Luis Obispo ordinances criminalizing homelessness, and California agency violations of Proposition 64, when they allowed cannabis billboards on major state highways. It has been my privilege to serve as Superior Court Special Master. On Slow County Public Policy and the Law, we examine how state and local public policy works by bringing you officials, lawyers, and organizations working on your behalf. Last week, I had a fascinating conversation with Cordelia Perry, Executive Director of the Slow County Builders Exchange, about the tension... Local government administrative resistance has quietly created impeding the building of houses, apartments, commercial buildings, parks, water treatment plants, and government facilities. The Builders Exchange serves as a good example of how businesses banding together can navigate the institutional administrative forces in local government. If you missed hearing about Builders Exchange, log on to the podcast of Cordelia Perry's interview at K News. That's K N E W S 985.com. Just click on the Slow County Public Policy and the Law tab and scroll down to the latest podcasts. Today, we have two very important voices concerning public interest lawsuits to give us different perspectives. In our first hour, I will be pleased to introduce Victor Gomez, Executive Director of Californians Against Lawsuit Abuse. His organization urges California's voters and legislators to throttle back the circumstances in which courts are empowered to award attorney's fees and costs to people who bring lawsuits that Californians against lawsuit abuse say unfairly cost businesses and Californians millions. In our second hour, Slow County Public Policy and the Law brings you a prominent local lawyer who, with years of experience, has been bringing cases that enforce fair labor standards and landlord duties to provide safe and habitable apartment complexes, Mr. Alan Hutkin. So, let me give you a bit of background first on Mr. Victor Gomez. Victor Gomez lives in Hollister and serves as Executive Director of Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse. He is a native of Hollister with experience in local, state, and federal politics in the Bay Area. Mr. Gomez is the former mayor of Hollister and recently completed his second term as Hollister council member. At age 31, Victor Gomez became one of the youngest mayors to serve the city of Hollister, serving on the San Benito County Transportation Authority, Hollister Airport Land Use Commission, Gang Prevention Policy Board, Association of Monterey Bay Area Governments, Hollister Redevelopment Agency, and as president of the League of California Cities Monterey Bay Chapter. Victor served as chief of staff for San Jose Vice Mayor Magdalena Carrasco. But now, Victor Gomez is executive director of Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse. Welcome to the show, Victor. Pleasure to be with you. Well, it's great to have you on. I, uh, I, I thought probably uh, it would be a good idea to find out for our listeners just what kind of organization Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse is. Is it a political action committee? Is it a uh, is it like a chamber of commerce? Uh, How is it structured?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question, Stu. So we are structured as a nonprofit organization uh, with the state of California. So uh, a majority, well, actually all of our funding comes from You know, small mom and pop business owners and medium sized businesses who understand how important it is to advocate for those needs of the business community here in California, specifically around uh, lawsuits, lawsuit abuse, and uh, really the the exploitation by uh, these trial attorneys in their attempt to essentially sink a lot of these small mom-and-pop shops and businesses here in California. So we operate similar to a Chamber of Commerce, so we don't have necessarily you know, public members that are part of our organization, uh, but we do advocate for uh, really a lot of those businesses who are constantly under attack by uh, these trial attorneys that are really trying to turn a penny on, on the backs of uh, small business owners here in California.
0: Now, some of the nonprofit organizations that are uh, allowed under uh, the law, such as a 501C6, uh, are, are allowed to uh, be active in political matters. Is, is that the kind of organization that Californians Against Lawsuit Abuse is?
1: So we are actually not. Um, there are some nonprofits that are active. Uh, I would say our organization really focuses a lot on um, really shining the light on the issue, but also finding legislative remedies to uh, help fix the issues that we believe need to be fixed uh, through statewide legislation. So we do advocate, we are not necessarily a lobby organization, we are not registered lobbyists. We are essentially a group of small business owners that advocate at the state level and at the local level uh, remedies and issues that would help uh, fix these uh, abusive lawsuits again that are, that are attacking small business.
0: Well, thank you. And um, folks, you're listening to Victor Gomez. He's the executive director of Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse. Um, is this a, it sounds to me like it's not a membership organization, but do you have a, a number of people who are, or numbers of the people who are supporting the organization?
1: We do, you know, we do get quite a bit of statewide support from either, uh, chambers of commerce, whether they're small, a small, you know, citywide chamber or uh-huh. larger organizations. We do work closely with, uh, larger chambers of commerce. We've had a number of discussions with, uh, Cal Chamber and the Hispanic Chamber. But, um, yeah, we really do just, uh, uh focus from, you know, really a lot on, Uh, small businesses that are being impacted because usually the larger corporations and the larger businesses have the ability to, you know, take the time to learn what they need to learn. Let's just say, you know, Americans with Disabilities Act, right? They know they have internal counsel that will help them through whatever modifications and changes they need to make to, you know, a parking lot stall, to a restroom, whatever that may be. In many cases, it's actually the small mom-and-pop shops and the medium-sized businesses that are owner-operated, um, and those are the ones that really we focus on helping. Um, I spent 17 years in, in the franchising world. I owned uh, multiple pizza franchises, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, Stu, I, I spent a ton of my time operating my business. I didn't sit in front of my desk for a month in January to figure out what all these new laws were going to be and how were they, they were going to impact me. It helped surely, to be a franchisee, but a lot of especially independent businesses don't have that ability or opportunity. So, uh, again, we focus more on the the small mom-and-pop shops and medium-sized businesses that are Mm -hmm. owned by your neighbors, right? Your friends, your family, and so on and so forth.
0: Now, do uh, Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse have any legislation that they are uh, advocating for right now?
1: Yeah, you know, for for a long time, I mean, for years, I, I've been serving as executive director for a number of years now, and, and every year, every legislative cycle, we attempt to introduce legislation that could really help um, sort of shine a light on these uh, legislative, or excuse me, these uh, litigious uh, abuses that are happening here in California. Um, specifically, right now, we actually have a bill that Made it out of the Senate. We're very excited about it. It was uh, sponsored by Senator Niello, and essentially, too, what that bill does is it actually provides a written notice to a restaurant, to a retailer, whatever you know storefront that may be uh, impacted, let's just say, by a curb ramp, an ADA ramp that isn't the right incline. It gives a notice to the business owner that they are out of compliance. And it gives them 90 to 120 days to fix the issue, right? If your urinal in the bathroom is too low or too high, then they get a notice to fix it. This is, uh, sen- right now, sen-
0: Victor, isn't this Senate Bill uh, 585?
1: That's correct, yeah, Senate Bill 585. And um, and so essentially the bill would really provide a notice before suing because in current law, you know, in many cases— you know, you have attorneys like Scott Johnson and a few others at firms out of the Bay Area that will deal with what, what are called drive-by lawsuits, right? So they actually don't even patronize your business. They drive by. They check out your parking stall. They may get off and measure the incline of the ramp. They may actually check the color blue that the parking stall is, and if it's not correct, they hit you with a lawsuit, and you must either settle or you're going to get sued, Right? Well, that doesn't help anybody, and it really doesn't even fix the problem, right? If it was seriously a problem, we would get notified to fix the issue. But these attorneys don't care about that;
0: did they you, want your money. When, when you were running your uh, fix it. when you were running your restaurants, did you have a problem with this? Where
1: you know, I didn't have a problem with with ADA lawsuits because uh-huh. I wasn't actually in a newer commercial development, um, and so usually, you know, by that time, by the time the development was built. It was after uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act had passed uh, the federal government. So, um, you know, I happen to be in a newer commercial establishment. Um, But unfortunately, in many cases, it's the more independent businesses that tend to be in uh, older commercial buildings that aren't up to date on some of these issues. And -hmm. and again, we're big supporters of of ADA law. We, We believe uh, in the right of a disabled person to be able to access the same things that anybody else should be able to access. So we're not certainly not arguing against ADA law. We agree with it and support it. What we're asking for through SB five eighty five is a notice. Give us. We, we apologize. Sorry that that happened to you. Let us fix the problem because we want you as a consumer. Sure, we want sure. you as a client. Right. Can I? ask I,
0: I actually uh, got an alert here on uh, SB. 585 today and uh, I guess it is out of committee uh, what What struck me as interesting because we, we had you probably heard uh, me talking about last week's show where we had a, uh, a person from the villagers exchange talking about how some people were finding that their permit applications were pending for three years um, this bill um, it applies to any business with 50 or fewer uh, employees and uh, it gives a 120 day uh, grace period basically after the notice to fix the uh, the offending problem as far as ADA access goes but if you can't get a permit within that period um, how, how is this going to actually help the business owner
1: yeah, that's certainly, another, that's certainly another challenge, Stu. Um, I will say this, in the municipalities that we've worked in, uh, many of them uh, understand the importance of um, you know, having these issues be streamlined, right? And, and in many cases, as, as I'm sure you know, uh, Stu, because of the, uh, the diligent work that you do in your community around ordinances and, and local government, um, a lot of local government has to have to spend a lot of money, a lot of taxpayer money, updating curbs curbs and gutters right making sure that
0: you've been a mayor you know about this
1: yeah you you have to make you have to make sure that they're accessible right and so when i was mayor we spent quite a bit of money um upgrading you know necessary curbs around uh commercial especially around commercial corridors but all throughout the city and so the the cities tend to understand that issue and in many cases actually cities have the ability to streamline these ada uh, improvements that are needed So, you know, obviously we would be concerned with the time period it takes. Uh, Personally, I've experienced the the nightmare of of, uh, dealing with the building departments and so on and so forth on a personal level. And I can understand that frustration from the builders group. Um, But we hope that, you know, building departments understand the good work that we're trying to do by um, increasing accessibility for those that are disabled.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, I, I uh, did go to your website. You, Your organization does have a website. Do you want to tell people uh, how to find it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can visit us at Uh We have our mother website, Kayla.com. But for here, us, California is very specific on certain issues, especially with the flight of business out of California. Uh, we focus a lot on specific issues in California, so I encourage uh, your listeners, uh, Sue, to visit us at org. Learn more about us. Reach out to us. Um, we'd love to get in contact. You know, one of the other things that we do, Steve, or Sue, sorry, is it's Common important mistake. for Don't us worry. to be, <laughs> it. it's important for us to, you know, make sure that we share these stories, right? Um, I had I had a shop, uh, a coffee shop in downtown San Jose that I love to patronize. While well, they got hit with an ADA lawsuit. And unfortunately, they said, well, you know what? We can't pay these lawsuits. We're going to close our doors. Well, that is stronger. It hit an emotional nerve to the local senator, and he voted in support of SB 585 because he knew, you know, he knew how important it was to have these small uh, mom and pop shops thriving, successful. Would that be Senator Laird? Uh, yeah, we we I, no actually we we got support from uh Senator Cortezzi on the bill, uh, specifically in San Jose, so that was really exciting.
0: I think there were only 5 votes against the bill. Um, yeah. And and so it was uh and there were several people who didn't vote at all, uh but but it ended up uh getting out of the Senate uh not not quite unanimously, but almost. Uh, I noticed on your website you have other issues that um, Californians against lawsuit abuse are concerned about. Um, fair labor and employment standards uh, lawsuits, uh, you, the way you describe it is uh, private attorney general act, the sue your boss law. Uh, what, what are you all doing about that?
1: Well, you know, with, with PAGA, we're, we're really concerned with the Private Attorney General Act. We're really concerned about the Attorney General empowering private trial attorneys who spend a lot of money electing their friends to the state legislature. We're very concerned with allowing them to be empowered to sue employers and really do the work that the Attorney General should be doing. This is the, the job of the Attorney General to make sure that you know uh, labor laws are being complied with but in many of these cases you it's it's really a misprint of a you know an electronic or a printed pay stub they may have spelled your name wrong they may have not uh, disclosed your accru- accrued uh, vacation pay all of those are issues that could get you sued as an employer right mistakes are made you know mistakes are made and what we're asking for Especially around uh, Paga-related issues, uh, is bring it back to the Attorney General. Let and him for, do for the our,
0: work. for our listeners. Paga is short for Private Attorney General Act, which expanded. Uh, th- there's actually several uh, statutes in California that uh, that authorized private attorney, attorney general fees for lawyers. Uh, but this one specifically has the name, and it expanded that concept to employment um, uh, employment actions uh, brought by employees against employers. And I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, uh, Victor. Go go right ahead now. No,
1: no, not, not at all. Thank you, uh, Sue, for explaining that. Yeah, I mean, we're we're really just concerned with the abuse of that law and the trial attorneys really taking it as an opportunity to make money. For themselves, because um, as you just explained, the state of California, if there is a settlement, the state of California takes a portion of it or a majority of it. The trial attorney will take another, who knows, you know, thirty to forty percent. And in many cases, the actual victim will literally—I mean, there's some cases where the victim has walked away with ten dollars.
0: Well, let right? me let me ask you some yes. questions about this because the uh, when when this particular statute was adopted uh, in the early two thousands, um. It, the, the justification for it at the legislature was that the the state didn't really have the funds to put in enough people into the uh, agencies that were enforcing them to do the investigations and to to actually bring the uh, the actions. Um, the, so so essentially, the state was saving money by empowering private lawyers to come in and represent um, people who had been. Uh, abused by their employers. Um, Do you think that there should be more funding for the agencies that would enforce this so that they would be the ones who would bring essentially public lawyers in to to do that enforcement? Or is there another issue that, that is part of this that you're objecting to?
1: Yeah, well, that's the biggest issue. The biggest issue, again, is the privatizing of... The the work that an attorney general or attorney general's department is supposed to be focused on, and we believe that uh, this could be done. We do have the resources to to spend on it. The issue isn't whether the resources are there anymore. They may have not been there at that time, but we believe that um, we believe that now they do have the ability to do it, and that's why we've been, you know, uh, you know, definitely been bringing the bell on this issue, right, because the more money that these, tr- it's costing these businesses who may have uh, violated a small provision in the labor code, it's providing them the opportunity to make money where these, you know, it, generally these lawsuits could have easily been a third of the cost, but now because you have a, a private attorney, a, a trial attorney involved in this thing. Now you're seeing payouts that are two to three times larger than they're really supposed to be because they're trying to make that extra dollar, right, so they can pay themselves. Now, the Cal Chamber has been working really diligently on this. There it actually is the, the California Fair Pay and Employer Accountability Act that did qualify for 2024. That's supposed to make substantial amendments to the Private Attorney General Act. Uh, that's qualified for the ballot for, for 2024. 20, uh, so that, that'll uh, be the, no, the, the,
0: the November ballot mm-hmm. in 2024?
1: Yeah, yeah. From what we understand, it'll be uh, the, one of the statewide initiatives on the ballot uh, and essentially would put workers' labor claims back in the hands of a independent regulator, right? Somebody that isn't there just to shake people down, somebody that is neutral, getting their claims handled faster without having to hire trial lawyers and drag out the process and take, you know, a third of their settlements, uh, this uh, initiative would would streamline all of it, make everything faster, and actually would be better for the consumer. It would not be good for the trial attorney and the trial lobby, right, Because the attorneys make a ton of money on this, but it's actually the consumer that would actually benefit from this law change and uh, certainly not the trial attorney.
0: I'm surprised to hear that uh, the attorneys get a third of the settlement, but we're going to have to take a break here pretty soon, folks. We've got to have a break for news. We're going to be talking again with Victor Gomez right after this.